0: You're listening to 20,000 Hertz, the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. When you put a record on, you have control over the needle and how the recording plays in a completely different way than with your phone and digital files where you just hit play. Back then, you had to lovingly place a record on a turntable and carefully set down the needle.
1: You really had to take your time with vinyl. If you dropped it, there would be this terrible ripping sound and you'd potentially ruin permanently your most sacred songs or somebody else's to that matter. So you really wanted to take the time and put it down properly.
0: That's Rick Adams.
1: I'm a broadcaster, producer, writer, performer. And a radio DJ
0: just as radio was going digital. We'll get to that story in a minute. But first, let's go back a bit. (laughs) to the early 1930s when they began to use vinyl for recorded music. It was tough, light, and sounded great. Vinyl records were used by soldiers throughout World War II and became widely used after the war.
1: There's something really beautiful about that as it dropped into a valley of audio and these grooves so ridiculous on either side, left and right, that recorded this audio and you just, Even though you sort of logically understood what it was about, it didn't make any sense. It's magical. How the heck does this, how does this work? Vinyl has this sort of, it's made from dinosaurs and pieces of dirt and decomposed plants. So it's alive. It does sound kind
0: of alive. There's just something about taking one out, dusting it off, and setting it up to go but if you were a DJ, you had to be able to
1: start at any song on the record. You would take your finger, you'd find the beginning of the track, and then you would rotate the disc by about the the sort of third of the size of the disc to the left, so that it would move back to give yourself some speed. So when you push the button or open the fader and you're talking, it would hit speed and you wouldn't get this, you'd just get this straight into the beginning of the track.
0: It was a point of professional pride to be able to do this just perfectly.
1: Amongst DJs, it's all about timing and, and, you know, total nerd pride and Jedi skills. It's just like, how do you push the button, get the music playing just after you've played a jingle on the cart machine so that it hits absolutely perfectly? And there was some artistry about that. It was, it was quite exciting and it would add to the stress level of the job, but it, it would keep you on your toes I can
2: imagine. But stress is part of a lot of jobs, right? Like Craig Cranes. I work in the visual effects industry, servicing films from studios such as Marvel, Disney, Warner Brothers. We laser scan every set, every vehicle, every location used for filming so that those areas can be enhanced, demolished, have creatures walking through them. But for Craig, records offer
0: a way to relax. He describes himself as an analog man trapped in a digital world.
2: The more we've become digitized, I can't function the way I do professionally without digital environment to work in. It's only a matter of time before we ourselves become digitized. In the last two or three years, I've kind of started to miss that analog, hands-on approach to everything really, from how we communicate with people, with how we create. Both living
0: and working in a digital world began to take its toll on Craig. I was desperate
2: to try and find a way to decompress from all this compression that's around us. But then, one day, going
0: through some old boxes, he came across a Walkman. Not only did it still work, but it
2: sounded amazing. It was the past just kind of reaching out and grabbing me and pulling me back. I remember where I was when I made that tape. I remember what shops I'd bought the records on that I'd made that mixtape with. It was just total recall. And not only that, but I was listening to this sound and what really surprised me was that I was actually listening to entire tracks rather than swiping across, you know, next track. Oh, don't like that. Next track. Next track. Uh, I was actually listening to... This entire cassette, and that's when I just started thinking, you know what? I can't remember the last time I actually just sat down and listened to 90 minutes of continuous music on an iPad or an iPhone or, or an iPod. That was the genesis of this mission that I am currently on now.
0: Craig was working on a bunch of films at once and desperately needed some downtime.
2: It was almost as if I was meant to find that box of tapes and that old Walkman, The journey started from there. He became obsessed. I decided to hit eBay, get a cassette deck, get all my vinyl cleaned, and I just started making tapes. And it was a fantastic time because these records I hadn't touched for a good couple of decades. And as soon as you put the needle onto that disc, it just takes you back. It takes you back to some fantastic memories. Then he found that something interesting began to happen. Find out how
0: this simple rediscovery changed his life after the break. Like a lot of us, Craig Crane lives and works in a digital world. When he rediscovered his record collection, he started rebuying vinyl copies of albums he purchased on
2: iTunes to recapture that analog sound. The digital online version Yes, it sounds okay, but as soon as you do an A-B comparison, the analog source is going to always win hands down, in my ears. So I'm not telling you or anyone listening to this that analog is better for them. I just came to a point where I decided it was better for me. In addition to missing the sound of vinyl, he also missed the
0: thrill of the search, the challenge of digging through troughs of records to find just the right one. For Craig, acquiring music had gotten too easy. He wanted to be out there hunting. He also found that the way music is being prepared for the web isn't appealing to him.
2: The digital compression that's used for mass market appeal, such as streaming platforms, iTunes, it's compressed to the point where it's just a facsimile of its former self. It's stripped of all its warmth. It's stripped of all the ingenuity that went into how the original album was produced. After he discovered
0: how much more he enjoyed the sound of music playing from a record, he decided to challenge himself. He would only listen to analog music for an entire month. This eventually led to his project and website, Analog October.
2: So I spent all of September just making tapes. And 1st of October... I put a sticker on the, uh, the back of my iPod, basically just said banned for one month. And I said about day one, totally loved it. Day two, day three, day four. And as I got towards the end of October, I had a trip planned to New York for a, a Marvel film. We were going to be out there for three or four weeks capturing buildings as reference for an upcoming film. Packing for New York, he faced a
0: dilemma. Stick with his analog experiment for a little while longer or switch back to the iPod. He decided to go with the analog option and packed his Walkman and 30 cassette
2: tapes. I just made sure that I packed a bit more carefully than I would normally. He had a blast walking around Manhattan with his Walkman headphones, listening to his cassettes. It was very interesting seeing people's reactions as well. It was bizarre. People, I thought, would look at me like, hey dude, Have you not heard of the iPod? But a lot of people would actually come up and say, oh my, I've not seen one of those for years. You gotta let me have a listen. And as soon as you put the headphones on, they're like, that's tape? Yeah. They don't remember tape ever sounding that great.
0: The Walkman still seems to have a very fond place in people's minds. Maybe because it was a monumental shift in the way we consume music. It paved the way for all of the mobile music devices that followed. I asked Craig what he had learned from making this change in his life.
2: I was in a very dangerous position where I was not switching off and I was pulling 18 hour days, 20 hour days, seven days a week, not taking vacations. And what I have learned from this process is that if you want to sit in your lounge with your headphones on and your feet up and put a record or two on and make a few tapes, you're allowed to. I was really on the verge of just pushing myself too hard. So that little cassette that I found in that box, who knows? It may even have saved my life.
0: Does analog really sound better than digital? Honestly, it's completely a matter of taste. But was there something we lost when we went to digital? Absolutely. We lost the rituals that prepared us to listen, spending hours at a record store, ready and eager to discover something new. We lost the excitement of flipping through bins of albums, pulling one out and deciding if it was worth the commitment. Once we gathered our collection, We lost the journey of going through a shelf of albums and pulling one out that sparked a memory, remembering who you were when you first laid eyes on the artwork. The smell of the paper, the dust, the excitement of finding a bonus track at the end of an album. It has less to do with what sounds better, and it has so much to do with the quieting of our minds to listen and enjoy the experience. We lost that moment right before the first track played, where we were fully invested in the experience of music. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound incredible. Find out more at defactosound.com.
2: This episode
0: was produced by Mylon Fitzwater Barrows. And me, Dallas Taylor. With help
2: from Sam Sneebly and Stephanie Wilkes.
0: It was sound designed and mixed by Kenneth Gilbert and Colin DeVarney. A huge thanks to Rick Adams and Craig Crane for speaking with us. You can find original artwork, lots of other great shows, and transcripts at our website, 20k.org. And finally, be sure to subscribe to the show. To do that, just go into any podcast player, type out 20,000 Hertz, which is all letters and not numbers. So T W E. You get the point. I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. And because you stuck around, you've been rewarded with a bonus track a brief history of early recording. What you're hearing right now is the earliest known recording. Believe it or not, it's a tuning fork, and it was recorded in 1859. Many people attribute the first recordings to Edison, but in the late 2000s, audio historians scanned newly discovered recordings by Leon Scott. Here's one of those recordings, a speech by Leon Scott himself. (laughs) as well as a song, also by him. These recordings are from the first-ever sound recorder, the Phonautograph, created by Leon Scott in the 1850s. It recorded sound on soot-covered paper. The machine worked by funneling sound through a cone, which then transferred the vibrations to a stylus. The phonautograph would record the sounds by making scratch marks on the paper, but it couldn't play the sounds back because it only created an image of the sound. We're able to listen to his recordings now because of digital scans created by audio historians in 2008. Edison's phonograph may have been dethroned as the first sound recorder, but his machine had one distinct advantage. It was also able to play back the recordings. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFa... Eh, you know what, I'm not going to do this again. However, if you stuck around long enough to hear this bonus track, let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.